Hi, I'm Dr. Bill Whitehead, CEO of Therapy Appointment, a system of practice management software designed to help with every aspect of running a private psychotherapy practice. I'm here today with Jacinda Jackson to talk about therapist self-care. Jacinda is a licensed clinical mental health counselor with more than 13 years experience in her practice in Concord, New Hampshire. She has a special interest in creativity and the arts. Welcome to the podcast, Jacinda. Hello. It's very good to be here. (laughs) (laughs) Good to have you here. And, you know, reading that, I'm guessing that with 13 years experience, you have some firsthand knowledge of the sort of stresses associated with being a therapist. I'd like to hear about some of those. I do. Uh, But in the last 13 years, I will say the landscape has changed tremendously, uh, especially narrowing down to the last three So I feel like what was um, a gained ability in self-care before COVID had to really had to really transition through that. Uh, The ability for people in our field to support each other was already limited behind closed doors and catching each other for 15 minutes between clients. And those connections were really important for us to debrief and to stay connected and to know why we're doing this. And COVID and quarantine took that all away. We've all had to sort of readjust to how do we connect and practice self-care when you're at home. I feel like 13 years, yes, but the last three has shifted our self-care needs tremendously because our clients' needs have also increased. So as it's happening to our clients, it's also happening to us that just as they're complaining of being isolated, so are we. And Yeah, which can um, be triggering, right? Like we're trying not to hold on to all of this at the end of the day. And then we get to the end of the day and, you know, five to eight hours of accumulated stressors that they're experiencing, that we're feeling. How are we able to get rid of that so we can sleep well, get up the next day and do it again? And, and I, I do think that one of the things I'd really like to see in our field is for agencies and private practices that have group private practices, they've got to recognize that, that anything over 20 or 25 sessions a week is too much. It is not good for their therapist to be working that many hours. And that is the shift that I would like to see more than anything is for agencies or, you know, who, whoever supports us in our work understands that you know we we can't we can't take on that much of somebody else's energy all week and then take care of ourselves and uh, i know better help in particular to name drop a bit with, with their yeah. saying oh you can make six figures at working for us all you have to do is work 50 hours a week and not recognizing the reality of psychotherapy which is the average therapist sees about 20 Full-time therapist sees about 20 yeah. or 25 clients a week, and that's yeah. plenty, plenty I of mean, stress. Yeah, when people go, oh, well, that's all, it's like, well, that's not all we're working. Just because we see 20 people doesn't mean we're only working 20 hours a week. <clears throat> that's a very bad misunderstanding of our work. Excuse me, I'm losing my voice here. <laughs> Allergies. <laughs> no problem. Um, and you, you make a good point that the, you know, we have the isolation aspect added on top of a lot of prior stresses that haven't gone away just because isolation has been added to the stack. You know, for example, I, I remember when I was in private practice and December would roll around and all of a sudden my schedule was empty yeah. and uh, panicking about the, yeah. the, the financial stresses. And uh, 
you know, uh, the other stresses of just having angry clients from time to time. You know, people come in because they have difficulties with emotional regulation. And guess what? They're going to do that with you as well. And that's something that we have to cope with on a, a regular basis. Well, the other pattern or the other thing that I have become a lot more aware of in, in the last few years, as I've decided that taking care of myself has to be my priority, right, is that <clears throat> we have we have come to a place in our society where a lot of people come to me and they're feeling, <clears throat> excuse me, they're feeling a collective anxiety, but they don't know why, right? Because the mm-hmm. political scene is causing so much tumultuous emotional reactivity. And so people are coming in and they're, my, I have noticed a big increase in people who don't know why they're coming to therapy, but they know that they're uneasy and, dis, and the discomfort has grown too large. And so, so there's some ambiguity in our field right now that we are experiencing all firsthand together. And so I think it's really, really important right now for therapists to go, wait a minute, I'm transitioning through these things politically and socially, just like my clients. And if we're not getting good peer support amongst each other, we're going to we're going to lose our ability to connect to this job overall. We're going to we're going to really miss out on it if we don't understand that this is our time. We are all being called in, in this sort of field right now to come together as a community. And if we're not supporting each other as therapists within a community, we're we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna have more than just vicarious trauma and compassion fatigue. We're gonna lose the whole edge of what we're doing here, because because our our job needs are shifting as therapists right now, and we have a social responsibility that a lot of us don't realize we have. We are influencers. We are influencers of all the people we meet with. We are influencers just around the board socially. We're we're kind of needed in a different way right now. And so our, our, our need to connect as therapists, to meditate together, to form communities together, is something I would really like to see improve for our field. To start leaning on each other a bit more than we have been. And the, the isolation kept yeah. us from doing that for a while. Yeah. And you make a good point that, you know, I remember there's an old science fiction movie that had the... The, the pod people were taking over. And so if you talked to anybody, you didn't weren't sure if it was a human being or a pod person that had yeah. impersonated. And the political climate is kind of like that these days. You have to be so cautious not mm-hmm. to possibly tread on a, a political line as you're <laughs> entering a discussion with someone and not make oh, the assumption uh, like every, that they think every just like you. Every day that comes up. <laughs> every day, every day. You mentioned a word in your last paragraph there, uh, compassion fatigue. It's actually two <laughs> words, compassion fatigue. Uh, can you exp- define that? That may be something, uh, a term that not everybody is familiar with. Yeah, um, so compassion fatigue will build with the lack of self-care because energetically, whether it's through telehealth or in-person sessions, you are collecting these these energetic exchanges and we're feeling bad for people we're being with them in whatever it is that they're experiencing so whether it's grief or anger or confusion anxiety we have to be able to exist with them in those planes and it's very mentally exhausting to know that we have to just be there with people um for that but but compassion fatigue will build up when we're not recognizing that we are 
we are experiencing those emotions past the time that we're with our clients. When we are taking that work home with us, when we are not taking 15 minute walks throughout the day to go, okay, this isn't mine. This isn't mine. I was there with them. I can let it go now. We really need to be very in tune with, is this my thing that I'm feeling right now? Or is it because I allowed myself to be vulnerable with my client for that last hour? And, and a lot more check-ins become necessary. It's a tough call, though, as, as helping professionals. The same tough call, I guess, that nurses have and that physicians have and yeah. that physical therapists have. And that, uh, just that where exactly do you draw the line between joining them in their, uh, their angst yeah. versus protecting yourself? And, uh, I heard you allude to something that you do, which is just uh, the self-talk about this wasn't me, this was yes. them. Yeah, and I do so a lot of intention setting, a lot of intention setting in the, every morning. So to, I think right now to be a really healthy therapist, you have got to develop some strong ritual around you, what your self-care looks like very specifically. Um, I'm an artist, so my self-care might look like um, – Every day I allot myself at least an hour to sit down and sketch or doodle and work through some of the things that I, you know, am feeling. Um, there is, there's a lot of practices for therapists um, that are art, art geared that will, that will help. And even if you're not an artist and that's not your deal, these exercises still sort of separate you from your work. Um, and the other thing I think that's really important is to, if you don't develop a meditation practice as a therapist, you are just allowing yourself to not be able to sort through their thoughts versus your thoughts, you know, all that muck that gets created in all these conversations all day. You know, our brain is holding on to these things, even when we don't consciously know that we're holding on to all of these stories all day long. So um, our narrative starts to become very enmeshed with theirs unless we are taking, I think, taking at least a few minutes between every session is important, but more than that, really. Uh, a 15-minute walk, a two-minute meditation just to separate your thoughts from what the thoughts were that you you know, were just listening to. Um, but, I, but I think that ritual, if I see a therapist that has not developed any ritual, I see that they struggle a lot with, with the fatigue part. Because we have to put and our needs first. <laughs> And, and you make a good point. Believe it or not, I've seen therapists who schedule 45-minute sessions every 45 minutes with right. zero time in between. Yeah. And how do they survive doing that? I suspect that they're on the way to burnout. Well, then, and, and then there's know, a collection of note-taking that they don't get to, and that causes another anxiety. So if we're not sitting down, taking our notes right at the end of our session when it's clear in our head – then, then we're building more, we're allowing ourselves to build that anxiety because we now we can't let go of that session because we haven't put it down in the note and put it away. So that's another really good self-care thing for therapists. Don't hold on to your notes until the end of the week. Get them done what a, daily. <laughs> what a great practical piece of advice. You know, yeah. <laughs> I always thought of the metaphor, you know, if, you, if somebody tells you a phone number, you got to repeat it over and over and over to yourself until you find the piece of paper to write it down and yeah. then you can relax. And so the yeah. same is true of, of a client. I had, I had never yeah. thought of it that way. I've had a lot of therapists on my caseload. And, and one of the questions that I always ask them is how long does it take you to do your notes? 
oh, sometimes a couple mm-hmm. of weeks. I'm like, well, you're holding on to two weeks worth of sessions in your body, in your body, energetically. So, like, it doesn't make sense to do that to me. Plus, uh, how are you does. really relaying the experience that you had with that client if it's not fresh in your head? Right, right. And so. the additional stress of just realizing you're behind her and behind her as, yeah, as yeah. The, the time goes on. And we and, do want to be effective. You know, we do want our clients to come back after a certain amount of time and say, oh, my gosh, these things are working, you know, and and we don't really have the ability to track that as efficiently if we're not writing those notes immediately when when they are fresh in our head. We can really gauge their progress better when we're on top of our our note taking. You know, I know you're a fan of that uh, form of therapy called ACT, uh, Acceptance and Commitment Therapy. Mm -hmm. And something I like a lot about that is that it it moves away from, uh, if you will, a a fear-based existence into a goal-based existence. Mm -hmm. And uh, it seems like uh, as we're teaching that to clients, we can teach that to ourselves instead of just thinking uh, about I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I'm behind. I've got to do this. I got to do that to mm-hmm. r- remind ourselves uh, what's the goal here. And the goal here is to ease suffering, including in yourself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> do, and when it comes do you to find act, it- I was going to say with, with the acceptance and commitment therapy piece tied into that. Absolutely. Because I, I, <laughs> whether we all like it or not, this is still a job and there has to be some acceptance of some of the responsibility part to it too. And, and so I think that I would, you'd be really hard pressed to find a lot of therapists that say, oh, I love the note taking part because we all we all really don't. We all just really don't. Um, but, you know, the acceptance of this is part of our responsibility is is, you know, and then commitment to being the best therapist that we can for our for our clients. So there's an acceptance of there's a piece of this job that will there's a lot of pieces of this job that are trying. And sometimes the note taking part, a lot of therapists are like, well, you know, I don't feel like that's really the work. But it's like, but it really is the work because we're wiring our brain to do the work better for our clients in those moments. It is awfully helpful for me or was when I was uh, actively a therapist to be Mm -hmm. able to to regurgitate the uh, session onto a piece of paper and think, uh, what what can I learn from this? What, what was the theme today? How do I summarize this theme? How do I, how do I fit this into the notes I see previously on the page? And, and it it is helpful. Yeah. Um, And when you're really feeling, when you're right there and it's that moment and they've just left, you are still feeling what you felt with them. And it's just such a better gauge for progress down the road. You can use those adjectives that you don't remember in two weeks, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Yeah. You know, you talk about your own personal release, which is uh, art, I suspect, yes. and being able to doodle and put it out uh, that way. For those of us who are not artists, what, what are some of the things that you've found out uh, are helpful distractions or helpful ways of discharging that uh, the anxiety that may build up in a therapist over the course of a day. um, I was fortunate enough to 
Well, in all my art therapy summits, I specifically did not take um, the classes that had to do with visual arts because that's a strong point for me. So I took movement classes. I took um, some chakra knowledge classes and how to sort of get your body back in alignment through meditation and sound therapy, journaling. Um, I think journaling is phenomenal as long as you know how to journal. And believe it or not, there is journaling that can be counterproductive. If we're sitting down and we're trying to empty out all our negativity at the end of the day, we're just going to wire our brain to find more negativity tomorrow. So I think what becomes really important is to journal gratitude at the end of the day. What sessions went well? What things made you feel really good? And then, you know, you sleep and you follow that up with waking up in the morning. Um, Maybe when you're in that good theta state, do a quick five, 10 minute meditation and and set some intentions for the day, you know, to stay in love and to develop those rituals with your clients. I also found a really great journal I want to show it to you. It's called Her- uh, Healing Burnout. And uh-huh. there's a book companion to it, which is what I read first and why I bought this. But this has these are the kind of tools that we need to go and find for ourselves because they help us explore our emotions and our felt senses and why we do this. And, 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 and separates it from their experience in such a beautiful way so that we're not ending up resentful to our clients for making us feel mentally tired all the time. Instead, we're starting to appreciate the work because we're looking at it through a new perspective. And you can. I mean, obviously, the way you describe your job to yourself uh, can uh, make a big difference in how you feel yeah. about it. You know, when, yeah. when I, I'm had a standard response, if you will, at parties when people said, oh, you're a therapist. Gee, that must be a really tough job. And I would always say, I think it's the best job on earth. And I meant it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was talking to myself about it, but I, I absolutely meant it. Uh, yeah. When I uh, do you know, take to good care of To be directly myself. helpful to people. Yeah. Yeah. And when you're taking good care of yourself, you can say that and, and authentically mean it. Like, I love my job because I'm doing what I meant to do when I went and got this degree in the first place. And it takes a little bit of time to get to that place. So you get your degree, you do your practice, you take your exam, you get your license. There's a lot of mucky time in there where you're going to want to (laughs) quit because you haven't figured out this part yet. But once you do, that's exactly what you should say. No, I love my job. I chose to do this for a reason. And now I'm finally at that place where I've manifested that abundance piece. Where I really do enjoy what I do. And and you don't need to BS yourself. Yeah, You can't say, oh, I just love this paper. I just love filing insurance claims. <laughs> <laughs> I just love pursuing slow pay clients. No, of course you're not. It's, yeah. Why do you think they call it work? <laughs> yeah, you did when uh, you did the podcast so- on whether or not to accept insurance. You know, it's like that is definitely something when we go off onto our own that we've really got to consider, you know, because there is I have to set aside a whole day just to make sure I'm on top of the insurance part and the credentialing and what they need from me. But you have to make sure you're in a place where you can you can do that, where you're like, no, I don't meet with clients on that day because part of my self-care is to make sure I've lined up all my administrative stuff and that I don't have to worry about that while I meet with you. You know, I'm jumping back a, a number of paragraphs, but you were talking about the, the importance of keeping time between clients mm-hmm. uh, for rejuvenation as well as for note-taking. Yeah. Uh, 
And, you know, there's a tradition in uh, England that doesn't quite map onto the United States where people stop by the pub on the way home. And it's not to get sloshed drunk. That's not the point of a pub. The pub is just this transition zone between your work life and your home life. And uh, unfortunately for, I think, many therapists, the transition is traffic. (laughs) That's not a very good transition between the two. Are there there other ways that uh, you can suggest that therapists grab some time for themselves between their family responsibilities and their work responsibilities? I just moved into an office space on Main Street, which is 0.8 miles from my home. It's a lovely little walk. And I did this because I've been working from home since quarantine started and I needed, I knew I needed that separation. I was not able to shake that, that feeling that I was always at work. And so even though it's a lovely little walk, I think walking is our, is really one of our best things to add to a routine. It's a nice bilateral stimulation. It calms us down. It gets us where we need to be in in that mental state. And we need to move our bodies. We have a sit down job. That's all we do all the time, you know? And so moving our body becomes really important. So if you can just get one 15 minute walk in or a couple 10 minute walks in, that's really, that's, that's more than enough daily, but it sounds so easy yet ask people how easy it is when you ask them to implement it. And it's like, Oh, well, that was the only time I had to get my notes done. That was the only time I had to do this or that. And again, that's where I go back to don't schedule people back to back. If you do one thing, give yourself at least half an hour or 15 minutes between them. And interesting point that walking is not only the exercise part and the, you know, we, we can, get in very ill health ourselves if we just sit all day. But it's also this walking meditation, this chance for this transition to have a little quiet. Uh, Probably walking through the mall is not nearly as nice as walking through the woods. (laughs) No. Oh, man, I'm so lucky where I live because I I have at least five beautiful trails anywhere around me at any time. Um, So I, I feel very fortunate for that. But getting getting outdoors and When I say getting outdoors, I say it that way because I have a lot of people when I'm doing intake with them or talking to them, it's like, you know, what do you do for activity? What brings you joy? And they start telling me about their gym routine. And I'm like, no, 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 not your gym routine. That's anxiety driven. That's I have to look a certain way. My health has to be a certain way. That is definitely not bringing you the relaxation I'm talking about. Like when do you float on a kayak or hug a tree? That's what I'm talking about. And a lot of people are very disconnected from nature overall. So true. And, you know, I'm looking at at the time and we're not out of topic, but we are about out of time. I know. So (laughs) thank you so much for your for your insights today. I think this is all great advice. Uh, uh, Physician, heal thyself, as they say. Thank you again, Jacinda, for being here with us. Thank you very much. Take care.